Amen. Well, it is good to be back with you. Um, I wish I could have stayed this afternoon. I heard you played a little outpost. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a few basketball teams that I coach, and I had to, to go coach one of those teams. And uh, I went and I brought my family with me. Um, so my wife, Kim, is, is in the back. And then my son, Tanner, is in third grade. My son, Tucker, is in ninth grade at Byron Nelson. And then my daughter, Tatum, is at Medlin Middle School. And uh, speaking of Medlin Middle School, sometimes I sub there. And I was wondering if you could help me with something, if I should read into something or not. There's a particular teacher, Mrs. Fowler, that I sub for. And there's a student in that class that never comes when I sub. Do you think I should read into that? Mm -hmm. Do you think I should ask Nico to explain himself? And tell me why every time I come some for Mrs. Fowler, he's not there. Yes. No, I, I will not do that. I will not do that. Let's, let's look at our um, passage for tonight. You know, we actually are, are jumping around to a couple of different parts, uh, selected scripture. But you can see, um, I do have my, my keynote with us. And so you can follow along. And it says, et tu brute. And uh, which Shakespeare play is that phrase from? Julius Caesar, all right? And why is Julius Caesar saying et tu brute? Ian? Because he just got stabbed to death. Yeah, he just got stabbed to death, but... Yeah. Okay, and? Who was, who was Brutus to Caesar, Fox? Brutus was supposed to be his friend, but he joined them when they were stabbing him. Yeah, he was the linchpin. They were not going to mutiny against Caesar unless they had Brutus. And he thought for the good of the empire that he would join in on this. And there was that phrase that the moment he saw Brutus was a part of it, it was et tu brute. At least I think that's how it goes. I don't really remember. This is a long time ago that I read anything about Shakespeare. But this title to our lesson, et tu brute, also comes along with the subtitle, Six Ways That Bad Company Corrupts. Six Ways That Bad Company Corrupts. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever had any bad milk. That was one of the issues in my house growing up was, was the milk good or not? And there was nothing more depressing than pouring a delicious bowl of Cocoa Pebbles or Count Chocula, you know, one of those healthy ones, and pouring out that milk and it clumping out. Or you smelling it, right? That's like the worst. We just ruined this and now I can't, I can't eat it. Not my house now. That was my house growing up. Relationships can be just as sour or just as gross or just as destructive. There are people, unfortunately, that don't want to follow Jesus. And so they want to distract you from Jesus and they want to push you away from the Bible. And we want to be good friends, loving how Christ loves, and we want to do the right thing, but there are people and challenges in our life, and how do we recognize that, and how do we negotiate that? And just as we had the six characteristics of a biblical friendship, we have the six ways that bad company corrupts. And so what we're going to do is I'll, I'll give you way number one. It's right there. By derailing your relationship with God. And I know that um, you're not gonna fess up to it, but there's probably some Thomas the Train type fans in here. We don't really use derailing very much, but you get the idea that trains run on tracks. 
they run on the rails. And when the train gets off the track, it has been derailed. Your track, your path, you think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. It's the path. It's a rut that we're to follow. It's the word of God. And so my chief end in life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But the devil doesn't want that. Unbelievers don't want that. And they're jealous and they're hateful and they're vindictive when they see us trying to do that. Goody two shoes or whatever it is. So they want to bump us off. They want to bump us off. You've probably, I want you to turn to to 1 Corinthians 15. You've probably heard this phrase before, but I, or this verse, but I, I want to put it in context, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, the verse that you have heard is what? Bad company corrupts good morals. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe mom and dad have said that before. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Well, let me give you the context of what's going on, all right? In Corinth, which some of you came on Wednesday night, so you got to hear the whole head covering thing and stuff like that from our lesson time with the high school or you were the middle school. Corinth was a church where there was a lot of difficult things happening. Paul had gone there. He had shared the gospel. He had established the church. He had appointed leaders. He had trained them and he got run out. And he heard that they were struggling with stuff. They were, there were divisions. Uh, there was issues with marriage. There was questions about idolatry. And so he's dealing with these different things. In chapter five, he was dealing with tolerance. Because when people think of Christianity and love, you're to be like Jesus and just love and accept, right? No. They had someone that was in gross sexual immorality. And they didn't do anything about it. So that dude just kept showing up every Sunday, kept showing up to the potlucks, and Paul's like, no, if you allow him to continue to do that, then people's going to think it's okay. You remove him from your midst. And so we think of we're supposed to be love. Yeah, yeah, love, but hold firm to the truth and confront when necessary. And because that's what leads to repentance and and things along those lines, right? So here we have this phrase in verse 33. What is going on? Because you think of, well, this man, man, their friends were wanting them to vape or maybe play too many video games. Bad company corrupts. It was the resurrection. People crept into that church that were unbelievers. And they were saying, hey, no, 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 no. Jesus never rose from the dead. You're not going to rise from the dead. And what is your reaction to that? (laughs) Get out of here. Well, that wasn't their reaction. The reaction was, wait, what? So look look at verse 12 of chapter 15. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is vain, your faith also is in vain. Look, Christian, do you have any question that Jesus rose from the dead? Absolutely not, right? He died, he rose again, defeating death and sin. But this church, they were starting to go, wow, he makes a good point. Bad company corrupts good morals. 
That's how they got there. Verse 19, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Do not be deceived, brethren, verse 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some of you have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. The unbeliever is dead in their trespasses and sins. The unbeliever has no capacity to love. You go to Ephesians 2. The unbeliever is a slave to their sin. And so if you're interacting with someone that is indeed not in Christ... They don't love you with the love of Christ. They don't advise you with the word of God. They want to see you stumble and fall because it makes themselves feel better. I want you to flip over to Galatians. This is how serious it is in Galatians. And just to help you, you go to the right. Go to the right. Remember, you got to go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Right? You got all that? It's good. It's how we remember things. Chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Here's the reality. We know that we are sinners separated from a holy and righteous God and that he will pour his wrath out upon us unless we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, died for us, and rose again. Galatia knew that. They knew that. But people crept into their church and started saying, oh, no, 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 no. That's not enough. You need to get circumcised. You need to follow the law. And they would go, yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Verse 7. This gospel is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be cursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And the, the, the thing that we want, we want to please people. We want to be liked by people. We want to be loved by people and appreciated. None of us wake up and go, hey man, I hope everyone hates me today. That would just be awesome. And so there's situations where we can listen and compromise. And, and it, it would be nice if the world walked in and said, false teacher, going to lead you astray here. And you can go, well, I'm not. They say, hey, no, I love Jesus too. You think of all the false religions? You know what Mormonism clothes itself in? Scripture and Christian, you know? Hey, oh, yeah, I'm like you. And Jehovah's Witness, yeah, we're one and the same. And No, 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 no. And you're growing up with a group of people School, sports, uh, co-ops, youth groups. And to be honest, not all of them are Christians. But you don't always know that. And there are people that whisper and say and do things, and they're pulling you away from God. You're on a path to glorify him, and they want to knock you off that path. So, So what do you do with that? How do you respond? Well, we'll talk about that. Secondly, by modeling a life that dishonors God. By modeling a life that dishonors God. And yes, I, I'm, I'm not saying anything about Tucker here, all right? But this is a picture of Tucker when he, he was in fifth grade going into sixth grade. So he's changed a little bit over the years. But you'll notice that he's wearing a baseball uniform, 
okay? He no longer wears a baseball uniform, and I no longer wear a baseball uniform. And I tried to save my kids from playing baseball. I tried to steer them to the good sports, all right? But at school, you know what everyone wore? Their baseball uniform. You know what everyone talked about? Their baseball team. And my child saw that and said, Dad, I've just got to play baseball. And I'm like, I know, this is what's going to happen. You're going to play, and then you're going to realize it's really not that fun. Unless you like it, okay? Whatever floats your boat. Because Turner's and baseball, the mentality, it doesn't always go, all right? So we played it for, but what happened was the, the kids at school, you know, there's other kids that want to play football. You know why? Look, football's not always fun either. I don't want to spoil that for you, especially tackle football. But everyone wears their jerseys. And so they see that and they're like, man, yeah, that, that's got to be great. All right? And I'm not saying that baseball dishonors God. But what I'm saying is we are influenced by what people wear and what people say and what people talk about. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. You get with unbelievers lives that are opposed to God but glorified in society. All right? Think of a celebrity then stop thinking of that celebrity. If you really knew who they were and what they did and how they did things, it would be, but people want to dress like them and people want to dance like them and people want to talk like them. Why? Because they're elevated in society. And what I'm saying is that when you have these relationships and they're just modeling what it looks like to disobey God, Guys, it makes us want to look like them and fit in with them. You get the whole thing, you know, when you're, 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 you know, you ask your parents to do something and they say, well, no, I'm sorry, you can't. And you go, well, everybody else is doing it. And then as parents, we are obligated by law to say, well, if everybody else jumped off a cliff, would you? And then we know you're going to say, yeah. It's just age old truths. Okay, that's just what happens. Proverbs 3.35 says, The wise will inherit honor, but fools display honor. Why? Because that's who they are. That's what they do. They don't use the word of God to make decisions. And they elevate it, and it looks good. I mean, why are the the, the cool kids seemingly the the meanest, nastiest people? Because people look up to that, and they elevate it, and they want to be like that too. Proverbs 13, 16, every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. Third John 1, 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. And, and we live in a day and age that evil is called good and good is called evil. You believe in a man and a woman and you're born that way, well then you're an intolerant, ununderstanding person and you're, you're ostracized. You believe that marriage is between a man and a woman? Well, you're a bigot, all right? We live in a weird, gross age. And this age is going to continue to elevate and model sinful things. And when you hang out with those people, you ever, you ever find yourself talking like other people? For a while that we always said hot rod. We're like, what's up, Hot Rod? I don't know, Hot Rod, what are you doing? It didn't make any sense. But all our friends said it, so we say it. I don't know what the kids say these days, bro, bra, whatever it is, but we, we kind of say the same things, right? We pick up on each other and we imitate. 
All right, those are some of the examples I can think of. When you think of other ways, and we're thinking hypothetical here, okay? You don't need to, you don't need to say, look, this person, you know, Miss Gunn, this is what she did. Can you think of ways that people your age can model a life that's dishonoring to God? Do you ever leave your home? Yes. Yeah. It makes it tough, right? The group. Well, I don't want to go to the group. I get kicked out of the group. I, I want to be part of the group. Fox? Those are those who are good at what they do um, to, model, to model our lives after them. Mm-hmm. I know that they usually, like professional sports players, they usually are not. Yeah. Yeah, we were having this conversation earlier. You know, some of the, the, the athletes that are out there are the most immoral people you could possibly imagine. Now, there are some that love the Lord, but we, we elevate him. We want to be like that, right? We want to be like those celebrities and stuff. What else? What else can y'all think of? Have you ever seen a teenager want to disobey their mom or dad? I know, it's, it, it's like Bigfoot. It rarely is seen, right? But when they hang out and they do those things and they talk like that, it makes you want to, right? Or, or someone talking bad about someone else and you immediately say, hey, look, you know, let's don't talk bad about them. They're not here. Let's love them and build them up. And they go, oh, you're right. Let's do that. <laughs> hmm. we, we feed into those things. Disobedience to parents. Oh, you're really going to obey mom and dad? You're so weak. Why can't you be your own man? Do your own thing. If your friends are saying that, no, that is, that is not good. Because you know what God gave you? God gave you parents. And you know what God gave you? He gave you a commandment to honor and to obey them. And I'm not going to argue with God. Are you going to argue with God? I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to say, thank you, God, because what you say is the best thing for my life. And it's how I model Christ to others. And I'm not going to partake in these things. What about phone obsessions? It's a big thing, right? Some people can't turn them off. Can't turn them off. Can't leave them alone. The things they got to do with them. Oh, it's time to be real. All right, let's go. Let's let's all be real. Which that one's interesting because there's at least like some sort of like time limit. And some people like have no life. So they'll just take a picture of like the wall just because they want to see what other people's life is like and stuff like that. Okay. But you think of Twitter and Instagram and all of this stuff. And I'm not saying that everything is, is bad. There is obviously bad elements to a number of those things, but it's just this constant social media crave. And, and what happens is you're supposed to post something and then what? How many people liked it? Oh, no one liked it. No one likes me. <gasps> Wait, someone liked it. Oh, why didn't you like my stuff, man? Uh, I wasn't. And it's a weird culture. Taylor, were you going to add to that or do you have something different? Yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me. And there's studies, sleep patterns, stuff that are broken, those types of things, the, that, the, the, the ghost ding, you feel it, and, you know, that type of stuff. But we have a, a, a group, a generation, and the things that you like and the things that you say and the things that you do, there are good things, go for it, but there are also bad things, and it elevates the bad things. Like, for instance, you've ever heard about that Tide Paw Challenge? Okay, they're so dumb that they would take 
the laundry detergent. It doesn't even taste good, man. All right. Would you eat some broccoli? No, it doesn't taste good. Will you eat some laundry detergent? Yes. Does it taste good? No. But someone else did that and I've got to do it. What? And you're just amazed that people make it to their mid-20s. It's, it's really surprising, right? But why is it? it? It's peer pressure and it's acceptance and stuff like that. And people model something and it looks cool and it looks right. Look, we, you're like, woo, dodge the bullet on this baby because it's freezing. I am dressed to the nine. I got clothes all over me. But why do people dress the way that they dress? I mean, why are those shorts so short? It ain't because the store doesn't sell the ones long enough. I'll tell you that. They try that lie all the time. It's because that's what the world perceives. It's what the guys gravitate towards. So you're both at fault. You're both wrong. But why is that such a battle? Because that's what's popular. And that's what's on the, the, the model at the store and this and that. Don't get caught up in the life that the world elevates, all right? Number three, by advising you with their folly instead of God's word, and I never know, I'm getting a little bit older these days, and so have, have you seen the original Aladdin, the Will Smith Aladdin thing, that, pretend that never happened, okay? Just delete that from your mind. But this is the, the, the Disney one before Disney was weird, and even though it's still a little weird now, and things like that, but Jafar was what? He was the advisor to the sultan. And you're like, man, that Jafar is so wicked. Do you ever think that sultan was incredibly incompetent? Yes, he was. And he let this dude influence him, and he gave him that advice. Well, the unbeliever is going to whisper and is going to say things, and it's going to steer you away from God. Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. But the mouth of fools spouts folly. Just spouts, it, it, it just comes out. That's what it says. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. A fool is gonna do what a fool is gonna do. And they will drag you down you need to listen to wise counsel. We won't have time to go there, but do you know what counsel was given to someone in Esther 5? Esther 5, you had a guy named Mordecai and a guy named... Do you remember the name starts with an H? Haman, right? And Haman hated Mordecai. And he was jealous of Mordecai. And Haman got a promotion in the kingdom, right? That's good. You'd be happy with that, all right? Taking care of all those things. But Mordecai would not bow to him. And he drove him nuts. So Haman comes home and he's complaining to his wife and friends. Oh, this Mordecai. And they should have said, hey, would you look at what God has given you? He's given you good health. He's elevated you to like second in the kingdom. You got a lot going for you, buddy. Let's just be content. They said, whoa, that Mordecai disrespects you. You know what you should do? Hang him. Hang him. Ha, that'll show him. And so Haman comes up with the whole scheme, and then it backfires, and who gets hung on the gallows that he made? Haman does. Haman does. 
That wasn't good advice. That wasn't right. But that's what his friends told him. Yeah, Ian? Right. They would not come up with good stuff. They are unbelievers. And as an unbeliever, he loved what they said, and they followed headlong into it by advising with their folly instead of God's word. Do you really need to do that? Do you really need to read your Bible? Do you really need that? Do you really need to obey mom and dad? Number four, fourth way that bad company corrupts, by pressuring you to violate God's commands. And I know that you guys have never really experienced this whole mythical thing called peer pressure, but I hear that it's out there. I hear that it's out there. Proverbs 14, 9, fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is goodwill. Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. An unbeliever, that's who they are. And I would like to pause for a moment. If you are not a Christian, then you are the fool. Seriously, you you are, okay? You may get certain things out of life that please you for a moment, but they'll never satisfy. But you are the one who despises wisdom and instruction. Well, how do you solve that? Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 1.22, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. I want you to think for a moment about Satan. Before he came down to earth, where was Satan? Lucifer. Lucifer in heaven, dwelling in perfection with God. And he decided one day, you know what? I'm better than God. Okay, if your conversation ever starts out that way, uh-uh. he lived in heaven as an angel with God serving him. And then foolishly, pride, origination of sin, his downfall, and he will be destroyed because he's a fool. Unbeliever, when you do things counter to God, that's who you are who you are. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 13. Turn to Deuteronomy 13. Verse 1 says, if a prophet or a dreamer dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder and the sign or command comes true concerning which he spoke to you saying let us go after other gods whom you have not known let us serve them you shall not listen to the words of that prophet makes sense right Moses here is given a a second giving of the law he's summarizing things because he's about to leave them and in verse 6 he says if your brother your mother's son or your son or daughter or the wife you cherish or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known, or of the gods of the people who are around you, near you are far from them, from one of the earth to the other. You shall not yield to them, or listen to him. And here we go, your eye shall not pity them, nor shall you spare or what? conceal them. He is talking about the situation 
where a loved one is pressuring you to abandon Yahweh. They're pressuring you into a false religion. And he says, you don't keep that a secret. You don't follow that. Verse 9, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death and afterwards the hand of all the people. So you shall stone him to death because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid and you will never again do such a wicked thing among you. And you're like, I didn't know this. I just, Pastor Justin said I could kill someone, okay? Remember, this is the Old Testament law. There are moral things that translate, right? But then this is their government. This is a governmental thing that doesn't translate today. So if you try this move right now, they'll throw you in prison, okay? But the idea was, look, I love this person that just talked to me. But they're trying to, they're trying to tear me away from God. And I can't let that happen. And I can't let them do that with other people. And I want to think in your life. Oop, let me leave it right there. Let's focus, eyes up. I want you to think for a moment in your life. Is there anyone, hey, watch this, and you know you shouldn't. Hey, I'm going to send you this, and you know you shouldn't watch it. Hey, we should listen to this. Hey, here's a funny joke. I know it's dirty. Are there people whispering in your ear and pressuring you to do the wrong thing? If those people are consistently doing that, you have to make changes. It might be you have to walk away. It might be you have to confront them and say, look, we're, if, if this is what's going to happen, we can't hang out. But, I, but if you're willing to change and willing to stop, then I, and, and it might be that they say, you know what, you're right. Thank you. Awesome. Or it might be they don't care and they don't want to change. Well, then you have some tough decisions to make, don't you? Tough decisions to make. Number five, by limiting your reach of love. Now, this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. And uh, it, it reminds me of Meet the Robinsons, all right? I know you've probably watched a lot. That's a pretty cool one, right? What's the, what's the T-Rex trying to do here? Taylor? He's trying to reach him, but why doesn't he? He's got the little T-Rex arm. He's got a limited reach, right? You get me? Now you're with me. All right, I got the big head and the little bitty arms, right? There are times, even your good friends that love Jesus, they want to try to limit, because we already talked about loving others. For the unbeliever, you love them and you share the gospel, right? That doesn't mean you have to look like them. It doesn't mean you have to be besties with them or whatever, but you love them and want to share the gospel. For your friends, sometimes you want to reach out to someone new, and they don't want you to. They think that you should only have like two friends, and that's it. And those that think like the world are going to kind of push this concept on you. Psalm 119.63, I am a companion of all those who fear you and those who keep your precepts. Our hope would be when you come here that you all love Jesus, and because of that, you all love each other. And if someone wants to sit on your row, okay. And if someone wants to play that game with you, okay. We, we, we want to be friends and things along those lines. We want to follow 1 John 4. 
We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also love his brother also. The, the, the friends that only internalize and they only talk to one another and they only hang out with one another. That's what I call limiting your reach of love. We understand John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not just love for some of the people, but love for all of the people. Now, I will address this, okay? Because sometimes people will visit our youth group, and I'll say, well, how did the experience go? And they say, you know what? We really enjoyed the teaching. Uh, We enjoyed the things that were going on, but you know what? There are just so many clicks. And I'm like, okay, you know what those are called? They're called friends. They're friend groups, right? They're like, no, they're cliques. I'm like, well, what do you think a clique is? A clique would be when, let's think of four people together that circle up and they won't talk or interact with anybody else. That's, that's not good. You should be able to open that circle up to allow someone else to conversate and to think of other people. But you know what? I mentioned this before. You can't invite everyone to your birthday party. I am sorry. Your mom is not going to let everyone go to Chuck E. Cheese with you from this group. You just can't. Or someone has a sleepover and they're like, well, they didn't invite me. Like, they invited six people. They can't get to 10. It's not going to happen, right? You should, and I mentioned this before, I had some really good close friends. Really good. And we encouraged each other and we prayed for one another and we spurred one another on to, to love and good deeds. But there are times that we invited new people and we interacted with new people. And what I'll challenge parents with, they love this one. As I'll say, I would like for you to go into the adult Sunday school and you tell me where everyone sits week after week. You know what you're gonna find? They sit at the same table with the same people. Do they have cliques? No, they have preferences, they have relationships, they have people that they enjoy. So you should have close friends, but you can't not reach out to that person because of them, right? That's where we get the limit of our reach of love. You think of Jesus. Jesus had what? The 12 disciples. And he had three that were extra special close to him. But does that mean that Jesus didn't love the other people? No, he did. He did. Always. Number six. You're doing great. By tarnishing your reach of love. By tarnishing, actually it should be by tarnishing, by tarnishing your sanctification. I forgot to change that part on the slide. By tarnishing your sanctification. I have shoes on. And every time I wear them, people ask me, is that a new shoe? And I'll say, no, my wife bought these like two years ago for me. And I only wear them on special occasions. They're white, Right? Now, the other day, I dropped a marker on it, and I saw the markers fall in slow-mo, and I was like, Aah! so they're no longer white. They've got a dot on it. Your life, don't laugh at me, Mariah. I know where you live, okay? My poor, my poor shoe, my poor shoe. Zachary would never do that, all right? When I become a believer, I have a new relationship. I am a new creation, And I am now to be holy as my heavenly father is holy, right? He wants me to walk in his ways. 
The unbeliever wants you to participate in sin. They want you to say things that aren't good and do things that are not good. 2 Corinthians 6, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial or or what is a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as he said, I will dwell in them, walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. With my shoes, they stay white because I go home and I put them in their special spot in the closet. And I don't wear them to play outpost. I wear them for teaching and stuff like that. In my walk with the Lord, I am not to jump in and roll around with the unbelievers. I am not to be bound with them. Can I have an acquaintance? Can I have a friend that's an unbeliever? Yes. But if they are influencing me more than I am influencing them, then that is a problem. And this, we'll talk some about this tomorrow, about future you know, dating, courtship, those types of things. This is life-changing in some regard. Never should a believer seek to to date or have a relationship with an unbeliever. But with our friendships, you can still have a friend and a connection, but you have to be very careful because they want to tarnish your sanctification. They don't have your best interest in mind. And they want to say, oh, he goes to North Lake Bible Church, but man, you know what we did last week? That's what the unbeliever does. How can I practically apply what we have learned? How can I do that? Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's God's word and that's what you're gonna do? You should, first of all, desire godly friendships. Now, if I'm a Christian, I should really, really want friendships with other Christians. I've had some people say, oh, you know what? There's just no one like me in in that youth group. Well, again, you're a Christian, right? Yes. The common bond is through Christ. You know, we'll always have a connection with you guys because y'all love the word, because you love Jesus. Enjoy them. Don't prioritize. You don't have to just play people or hang out with people that play the same sport as you. You don't have to just hang out with people that go to the same school as you. You can hang out with other Christians and you should do so to enjoy them. That's what you should elevate. So when you're making a list of who would be a good friend and who would be a good target with it, those godly characteristics are what you would want. Don't you love hanging out with unselfish people? Isn't that awesome? So be unselfish yourself, but then gravitate towards those unselfish people. Grow with them. Read your word together. Challenge each other in scripture memory. Pray for one another. Serve with them. Further the kingdom. And then I want you to think through how you can avoid unhealthy friendships. Avoid unhealthy friendships. And here's a question for you. Can I not have any friends that are unbelievers? I think that you guys have to work this out with your parents and make these case-by-case decisions. I'll give you a little summary of when I was in high school. I mentioned that I had some really good friends. And some of us went to church together right? We also had some friends that hung out with us as well. One of them was an atheist, and he was very open about that. He still slept over. He still played stuff. 
How does that jive? Well, he hung out with us in a group. We didn't do a lot of one-on-one with him. And you know what most of our interaction with him was? Loving him, caring for him. Whenever he brought up something dumb, we put the kibosh on it and we diverted it to Christ because there was multiple of us, right? And eventually, you know what he did? He stopped hanging out with us. You know why? He wanted a different lifestyle. He wanted something different. We also had some friends, all right? So we, we went to Mexico for our senior trip and we thought, hey, we're all Christians. We all love Jesus. And I brought from the Gibsons these uh, gospel tracks. Like, we're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to share the gospel, all right? And some of us did that and some ran off to the parties. Well, what happened? They got in an environment where they're no longer their parents around. And so they did what they wanted. With us, when we hung out, there was a level of morality because the majority of us were Christians, right? But you know what? When we got back in town, do you think our, our relationship changed a little bit? Yeah. We found out more about what they really loved and what they wanted to do. Look, I, I love the Bible. I want to talk about God. I want to talk about Jesus. I want people that love me and that, that I can love. So I naturally want those Christian friends. But I don't think you can honestly peer, peer, take off the heart and look at everyone in here and guarantee that they're in Christ. Before you ask someone over for a play date, you don't have to like read their ministry application and hear their testimony on the first day, right? Sometimes it takes time to do that. But what you need to look for is what are they whispering in your ear? What are they modeling? What's going on when your parents aren't around? When they're not at youth group, what are they doing? And then you have to weigh out, individuals are different. How is this person influencing me? And if they're an unbeliever and they're influencing you in the wrong direction, I'm sorry guys, you gotta cut that off. Out of love and out of respect, you've gotta cut that off, you've gotta limit that interaction. Use your relationships for the glory of God and to serve him always. And is this difficult? Absolutely. But do you get the warnings? Do you see how this can lead you away really fast? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love, your mercy, for your goodness. We ask that you would help us to make good decisions to do things that are glorifying to you. I pray that you would give us wisdom, knowing that we're still seeking and growing and learning. And I pray for these young men and women that they would be good friends and they would have good friends. We thank you for the warnings contained in your word, and we pray that we would apply them in our own life. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.